Listen, listen to the scriptures with me. Matthew 28. In verse 1, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. That's good, y'all. And it's the first verse. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Do not be afraid. Don't you love it when angels in the Bible tell you not to be afraid? After something like that just happened? For real. But that's the message. Do not be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. I said, he isn't here. Wake up. He is risen from the dead just as he said he would. Come and see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. And they will see me there. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we want to experience your resurrection this morning. We don't just want to retell a story. A story that we've heard over and over and over. And even though it doesn't lose any of its power with each time we tell it, we don't just want that today. God, we're asking you for something more. More than a once a year storytelling, God. We're asking you to resurrect us. To resurrect us in the power of the empty tomb. And we pray that you do that today in our midst through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning... There are churches all over our city, all over our state and country, and all over the world right now. We are worshiping with believers who have come together on this day that is the most important day for believers and followers of Jesus. And many of those people who are gathered together in places like this today are followers of Jesus. Disciples, people who have been changed by the power of the gospel. Many of those. But we know at the same time on Easter, there are many people who are in churches today who are only casual observers of the activity of God around them. 
They've never really experienced it. People who have never really experienced the power of the resurrection, they've seen it from a distance and they've heard about it. And so this morning, I really really don't have a long message for you. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. He just gave all y'all permission to laugh. No, I, I really, I, I really don't want. I feel like the message this morning is very simple, and I want you to really, really hear my heart this morning. I am a. Is there anybody else in here that would raise their hand and admit to being a, a video game nerd, either past or present? Yeah, there's a few more of us in this service. Eight thirty, there was like three of us, and. Uh, so we were outnumbered tremendously, but especially when I was a kid, I was a gamer nerd. First video game system, you got to be really old to know this, Atari 2600, who had an Atari 2600? That's what I'm talking about. You didn't even have to be a nerd gamer to have an Atari 2600. Uh, Pitfall was my, was my poison for that, that system. I love Pitfall, just oh, over and over and over. And the thing never ended either, you know, that you like kept going forever and ever. And uh, that was when I was a kid, but then when we got into like middle school and, and even into high school, uh, Nintendo came on the scene and they created the NES, the original NES, you know what I'm talking about, the little gray box, and uh, it came with Super Mario Brothers and what? Duck Hunt, yeah, y'all know that. It came with Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers, came with the, laser, with the light pistol and the, and the little square controller, the old school, and... When you got one of those things for Christmas or whatever, you spent hours and hours and hours. It was every kid's mission to beat Super Mario Brothers if you had that game system. And you would stay up hour after hour. You'd stay up all night and pull all-nighters to try to beat Super Mario Brothers. So you could go to school the next day and tell everybody you beat it. And it was, it was a big deal. And the NES was very special because it wasn't too complicated. You had the big box with the slit where you put your cartridge in, and it had two buttons on it. It had the power button and the reset button. Now, the reset button was every gamer's best friend, right? That was our best friend when we played because when it was obvious that you weren't going to make it to the end of the level, when you'd run out, you're only down to one life, and you're not even halfway through, and you know you're not going to get to the end of the level, you just hit save yourself some time, hit the reset button, start over. Uh, and all the mistakes that you had made up until that point were wiped out, and you got to go back to the beginning, and you started out with all your lives and all your power, plus you had knowledge of what was coming later in the level, and what you figured out what you were doing wrong to not get past a certain point, so you would go back and start over, and that's how you got through the game. Um, when I think of Easter... I think of that reset button. And I hope this morning you'll understand what I'm talking about. And when I think of the reset button, I think of Peter. And I don't know how much you understand about Peter's story, but if you read the account of, of Jesus walk through those last days of his life, we see Peter in the worst moments of his life as a follower of Jesus and as a leader among the apostles. Within hours, literally hours, P- 
Peter transforms from the leader of the group, the one who openly professes his allegiance to Jesus to the point where he says, Jesus, I will go and die with you if that's what it comes down to. He's the, he's the bold leader, the one loyal out of them all. And in literally hours, he's transformed into the coward. Unwilling to acknowledge that he had ever seen Jesus before in his life. In fact, the last time that we see Peter in, his, in the story is when they arrest Jesus in the garden. And they take him to the religious authorities, the Sanhedrin. And Peter is watching from a distance. He's in, in a courtyard with some other people. And people recognize him. And he denies. I don't know who this didn't. Aren't you one of Jesus' guys? No, I'm not. I don't know who you're talking about. And he does that. And, and after the third time, he denies publicly that he even knows Jesus. He hears that rooster. And the weight of all of his failure and all of his fakeness and hypocrisy just comes weighing down on him in that moment he hears that rooster crow because Jesus told him he was going to do that Peter you're going to deny me three times and Peter rebuked Jesus and said no I won't I will never do that so Peter finds himself in, in, in the very pit of failure as a follower of Jesus as Jesus' friend He's a, he, and he's so overwhelmed with the guilt and the shame of it that he runs away sobbing. He bails and he isn't talked about again. We never see him until this morning. Until this morning. And that's the, this is the reason that we're all here today. And there's something that I want us to try to take in this morning about the resurrection story it's extremely difficult for us to experience Easter the way Peter and the disciples did and those that were closest to Jesus and followed him and the reason for that is we have fallen victim to the spoiler don't you hate spoilers you know there's the movie that you want to go see or there's the television show that you're watching and you can't wait for the next episode to come on, but some bozo sees it before you, and they write something on Facebook or social media about, oh, I can't believe this happened, and you read it, and you're like, ah, what? Shut up. Don't tell me. I want to I experience it, you know? And, but there are those out there, and we, when it comes to Easter... I feel like we have fallen victim to the biggest spoiler of all time. Because when Jesus dies on Friday, we know that he's coming back on Sunday. And I, I often hear, and I saw lots of Facebook posts, and they're, and they're great, and they make for good Facebook posts. But hear people post things like, it's Friday, dot, 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 but Sunday's coming. And we get excited. Like I saw a bunch of those on Good Friday. And that's cool. But 
that's not the way they experienced it. When Friday came to a close, Jesus was gone. Jesus was dead. Everything that his followers had hoped and dreamed he was going to do was over. It had abruptly come to a screeching halt. And they didn't go to bed on Saturday night looking forward to getting up on Sunday and coming to church and singing forever. They went to bed on Saturday night just as devastated and hurt and afraid and in mourning as they did Friday night. Jesus was gone. They were trying to figure out what they were supposed to do without him. He was their leader. What do we do now? He's gone. They were scared. And some of them were trying to figure out if they had completely wasted the last three years of their lives chasing after something that came to an end so quickly. It's over. He's dead. You have to, I want you to try to put yourself there. Don't skip ahead to Sunday. Put yourself in Friday. Put yourself in Saturday. Put yourself on Sunday morning where these women woke up, got spices and herbs and oils and things together because they were going to go find Jesus' dead body in the tomb and they were going to do what was proper in that time to care for a dead body. That's what they woke up on Sunday morning to do. Go take care of that. They were going to see him. They were going to cry over him. They were going to go through all the emotions that they had gone through before. All over again. <laughs> so that's why when, when we sing songs like we've sung this morning. Like, I want to sing them the way they would have sung them. I want, to, I want to sing hallelujah the way they would have sang hallelujah. Not the way I know. Oh, hallelujah. It's gonna, I knew it's going to happen. I knew it. They show up and go, what has happened? So they come. They come to the tomb. They're ready to... to and, and the stone is moved. What? The stone is moved away. And there are angels there. And, and, and they explained to them that Jesus isn't there anymore. What, what do you mean he's not here anymore? He was dead. Well, he's not here. He's alive. What? He's alive? Like, just put yourself there for a minute. And I love the detail uh, in, in thinking about Peter. And I'm go back to the reset button. And thinking about Peter. The last time we've seen Peter, Peter has royally screwed up. And he has completely failed. And in Mark's gospel, I love this detail that Mark gives us of what the angels say to the women in, in verse 6 of chapter 16. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. Again, don't be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. They say, come in here and look. It's right here. This is the slab of stone where his dead body laid. 
and all that's left are the wrappings. He's gone. And verse 7 says, Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, (laughs) that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. I'm so glad that Mark put that detail in his gospel. That the angels said, go tell all the disciples. And when you go find the disciples, you make sure that you go to Peter. And you look Peter in the face and you tell Peter that Jesus is alive. That he is out of that tomb and Jesus is coming to meet Peter. Live this moment for a second. Put your name there. Go tell his disciples, including Eric. Go tell his disciples, including Eddie. Go tell... All the disciples, including Neela. It's for you. (laughs) It's for you. That tomb is open for you. This was Peter's new beginning. This was Peter's reset button. (laughs) Peter got to push the reset button. That Jesus said... I want you to push the reset button with me, Peter. Now, we're never going to be able to experience the resurrection exactly the way they did. And that's kind of a downer. And you think, well, great, Eric. Thanks. We're, we're, never, we're, we're never really going to be able to experience it in all of its power exactly the way they did. But in this point and in this story... Jesus is telling us there is a way we can experience it. And there is a way that you, this morning, sitting in this room, can experience the same power of the resurrection that Peter experienced literally on that day. And all the rest of those disciples. You can experience it exactly the way they did. You go, how in the world can we do that? Because that open tomb has this to say to you. Every person in this room, individually, by name. Everything you thought was dead and over is alive again. Every dream you'd given up on has become possible again. Every sin and failure that sent you away in your shame and failure is no longer held against you. It's no longer held against you. This morning, everything becomes new. This morning, everything starts over. The power of death has been overcome, and now you have been given a choice. The way we experience the resurrection is through the new beginning that it provides, the reset button. That it allows to us because of all because all the barriers that kept us away from God have been torn away, just like that temple veil. It's gone. 
And there, there's not many of us here this morning who don't know the story of the resurrection. So I don't want this morning to be another experience of what the story says. Because you know what the story says. What I feel like God wants for us today is that not for you to hear again what the story says, but to experience what the story does. It's completely different. I feel very strongly this morning that the Holy Spirit's desire is for us not to sit and listen. That his desire is to move us into the power of the resurrection. For us to walk into that empty tomb to see that Jesus isn't laying there anymore. So there is a new beginning for you this morning, just like there was for Peter. And there's lots of different new beginnings you could have this morning. That tomb is open this morning for you to experience a new beginning and it could be one of several different things it could be for you that you really need to come to know Christ for the first time that you've watched him from a distance and you've seen his activity you've seen what he does but you've never taken that step to really just fully put your life completely in his hands and he rose from the grave and opened that tomb so you could see this morning So this could be your brand new beginning. That you understand that the cross was for you. That when Jesus died on the cross, he took every failure and every sin and the most wretched things about who you are. And he carried them in himself as if they were his. And when he was murdered that day, as brutally as he was, that he he died that way as if he were guilty of everything you've done. And everything I've done. He carried that with us. With him. God made him who had no sin. To be sin for us. So that through him. We might become the righteousness. Of God. That is the gospel. And this morning. God wants to exchange. Your sin. And your separation from him. That he's already taken and put on his son. And he wants to exchange with you. To take that. What Jesus has already paid for. And give you the righteousness of his son this morning. And you can walk out of here a picture of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore if anyone is in Christ. He is a what? New creation. Reset. It's all, it all starts over. The old is gone and the new is here. I would really love for that to be somebody's new beginning this morning. Maybe your new beginning is with the church. You, you know you have a relationship with Christ. But maybe your relationship with Christ's church is suffering. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been angry about something. Maybe, maybe you've just been distracted by life 
more than you wish you could admit. And, and there's something about being in a community of people like this, even though you know everybody has their hang-ups and everybody is messed up in some way, there's something powerful about being in this community together. And there's something powerful about gathering with other people who have been transformed the same way you have, and you miss it. But there's something that holds you back, that keeps you from making a, a commitment to Jesus' church. Maybe Jesus wants to push that reset for you this morning. Maybe you want to push reset and say, God, I've just neglected worshiping together with my family. And I want to come back and I want to start over. Today is a beautiful day for that. And it's a special time for this church. First Baptist Lindale is in the midst of a brand new beginning, y'all. There's no reason to be afraid. No reason to be scared. Jim painted a beautiful picture last week for us. There's no reason for us to be afraid or scared. There may be some of us who are thinking, I don't know, but like, like this is the time that we need each other. Like, this is not the time to bail. This is the time to come back together. And maybe for some of us, some folks, like, you may not be a part of this church, but you've been around and you've watched and, and you're kind of thinking, well, I don't know, it's kind of it's weird right now. Should I, should I commit? Should I, should I make this? Should I make this my church family? I feel like God's drawn me here, but it's, I don't know. Is it okay? Yes, it's okay. Maybe that's your new beginning. Maybe he wants to bring you and say, this is your family. This is your new church family that I have for you. And I want you to walk into it this morning. You can do that this morning. Or maybe you've got a restart, a reset that needs to happen in your life that has to do with people. Maybe your marriage needs a reset this morning. Maybe there's a friendship with someone here that needs a reset. What a beautiful reset it would be for you to go to somebody this morning. Somebody that there's been angst between you and them for for some reason that really is probably the responsibility of both of you. For you to go to them and say, look, I want to start over with you. Let's... Let's resurrect our friendship. Let's let Jesus resurrect that this morning. And let's just start over and forgive each other. Maybe there's reconciliation. Maybe there's uh, a commitment, something that there's sin that you've been holding on to. And you're like, man, I, I, I got to let that go. And you want to come this morning. Really. The whole message this morning is the invitation. The invitation is the message. Jesus opened the tomb and walked out so you could walk in. Jesus opened the tomb and walked out so you could walk in and see what he had done and push the reset button and start over. felt a long time ago that God was saying when I knew I was going to preach this morning that today wasn't going to be about hearing and listening and 
talking. I think God really wants today to be about moving. And so that's the invitation this morning. Let's, let's pray together.